What's up, guys? Welcome back. We have a new guest, a new topic. Thank you for joining us for Sundays at 7. Alright guys, what's up? We are so excited to be joined by Kurt Vernon. Oh. This week on the podcast, we have an awesome topic, but before we get into it, Kurt, if you just want to maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and yeah. what you got going on. Right, well, first, thanks so much for inviting me, honestly. I'm We're really excited. honored to be here. And I am, let's see, best things to know about me are I am a husband of Lauren Vernon and daddy of Wynn Vernon. And, oh. uh, and then I get to do music and um, man, I've been really committed to Man, just to see in the kingdom, the kingdom of God come on the University of Kentucky's campus for about 16 years. And now my full-time job gets to be pursuing the things I'm most passionate about. So I, I feel awesome. like a retired guy. Wake up every day and do my favorite things. <laughs> That's but, awesome. Uh, the official role, at least as far as my W-2 says, is a pastor <laughs> of Commonwealth City Church. So. Nice. We actually both knew you from CSF. That's where yes. we actually, we, we had Derek King on the podcast last week, and it brought yeah. back all the nostalgia of CSF. <laughs> but um, actually, we used to do worship nights called Night Watches. Do you remember oh, those? <laughs> I will never oh. forget. You were singing a song. It was, uh, well, I was telling you about it earlier. It was like the three best days of the devil life uh-huh. and you just kept going everyone was going ham in that basement it was so awesome uh, so those were like i we actually i did a video the other day about night watch oh really just talking about like i mean because of the people that the folks that were in that in those times like you can tell the lord did something and established something that's still bearing fruit today that's right. definitely in my heart too like yeah it was yeah it was awesome and that song yeah that song literally came out in 12 seconds in the middle of night watch really i'd never written it i'd never nothing we were in a night watch, and all of a sudden that thought popped in my head. The three best days of the devil's life, he thought he had you crucified. Must not have heard you say you'd rise, because you got up and then death and died. And then death died. Wow. So good. Uh-huh. I'll never forget that. Which actually is my, it's funny, because I've written songs for years. I've written a few hundred. But I have, like, there's something about when you write a song that takes a while. And, and that's fine. Like, sometimes I can tell I'm partnering with the Lord and, you know, just persevering. But when a song comes out in 12 seconds, I don't have to wonder if that was written by Kurt. Like, mm-hmm. I know that was the Lord. That's, right. that's awesome. Kurt doesn't write songs in 12 seconds. <laughs> he writes songs in 12 years. There you, know? you go. Only Jesus can do that. So. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's perfect for what we're talking about. Yeah, too. definitely. We're yeah. going to get right into it, too. So the topic this week is called, Does God Speak to Us? And I feel like this is a very... Um, universal topic for everyone no matter if you're you know young or old or whatever everyone mm-hmm. always has this question in their head is, is God speaking to me or what is he saying and so or we're just gonna a new Christian or one yeah seasoned Christian. Been a Christian for their whole life you know yes. definitely so that's our first question and we just wanted you to respond as does God speak to us yeah and uh, the simple simple answer is yes you know and in a multiplicity of fashions like there's I, it's cool because for a long time I was like oh man okay it's got to be this like epic emotional moment but the more and more I've like walked with the Lord I realize wait sometimes it's really simple sometimes the voice of God sounds like the voice of my best friend because he uses them to speak truth to me mm-hmm. a lot of times it sounds like his word you know and then other times it just sounds like a whisper or the way I a lot of times I describe the voice of God to friends who've who are kind of like especially those who are skeptical about that because I use that phrase a lot like I heard God the Lord said to me and I used to be very tentative to use it. And then I realized that the Word of God is not hesitant to use it. Mm-hmm. And ironically, because um, a lot of the people that I've heard who are skeptical of hearing the voice of God would be people that really celebrate 
the beauty of Scripture and would say, you got to be careful with that. And I agree. I think that there are people who take that very lightly who will say, oh, God told me. And then they just insert their own mm-hmm. their own words. But the narrative of Scripture does not give us an option of relationship with the Father where we don't know His voice. It just it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, it, even to the point where, you know, in Isaiah, like chapter 30, he's like, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Now, there can be, there needs to be some checks and balances. There needs to be community around you. There needs to be discipleship and learning what it means to hear his voice. But the simple answer is, yes, God does speak. So much so, I believe that the Bible would actually say, be concerned if you're a person who says that you've never heard the voice of God and still calls yourself a believer. Because on the front end of salvation, there has to be a prompting from the from the voice of God. There has to be a an unction given by him to do a work in us that we can't do in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the big things for me, um, it, you know, I grew up and uh, I'm a Southern Baptist preacher's kid. And, uh, actually, Commonwealth is a Southern Baptist church, but I just, I tell people we're kind of like a undercover Southern Baptist. Oh. We try not to market it too much. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but growing up Southern Baptist, I grew up in what's called a cessationist household, which means that um, the belief that um, with the passing away of the last apostle, that a lot of the supernatural giftings then ceased mm-hmm. in the operation of the church, that they were in existence for a brief period of time to kind of jumpstart the early church, and then they faded away. And with cessationism comes kind of the disappearance of a lot of gifts that make people uncomfortable logically and tends to come a disappearance of the hearing of the voice of God, or at least a heavy skepticism towards it. And uh, the thing that I finally realized is like, man, as I read the Word of God, I have to, I would have to remove way too many of my favorite passages of Scripture if I'm going to live with the understanding that God doesn't speak to, any, to me anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, and I love the Word of God too much for that. Mm-hmm. Like, I love His Word, and I love whatever Scripture tells me my posture needs to be, and whatever Scripture tells me my expectation of relationship with the Father needs to be. Like, I want I want the Bible's ideas, because the, the Lord's ideas are better than mine, you know? And so mm-hmm. when it comes to, when I talk to friends who who say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you should say, like, I heard God, because... That can get weird and that can get sketchy. And I'm like, look, the hard thing for me is if I'm going to be a person that really says I want the Bible to jump off the pages and I want to see it manifest itself in my daily life, then I'm going to be a person who expects that God will speak. Mm -hmm. And I expect that he's a good enough father that he knows how to speak in such a way that his son can hear him. You're talking a lot about scripture, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's the first thing that I thought of when asked this question. And what separates our faith from a lot of other faiths is that our God is alive and it's a relationship mm-hmm. and so yes. how do you build relationships you know one another and you talk yeah. to one another yeah. you know and there's no better way to learn God's voice and to read it his actual like God breathed word you know and yes. there's been several times in my life where I'm like begging God to speak to me like God yeah. speaks to me God speaks to me and I haven't opened my Bible in a month you know what I mean like uh-huh. how yep. could we how could we Convicted. think that we could hear the word of God if yeah. We don't even read the letter that he wrote to us. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So yep. that was the biggest thing I think I thought of when asked this question is 
one of the biggest promptings to hear the voice of God is to mm-hmm. read the letter that he wrote to us. And then yes. we know his voice more and, you know, the verse, the sheep, the sheep mm-hmm. know the voice, uh-huh. you know, that's John ten twenty seven. I wrote it down. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. My sheep yep. hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Yeah. You give eternal life. Yeah. yeah. And one, I think so. I heard, uh, you know, there's a bunch of old preacher stories that sometimes sound cheesy, but um, there's this guy speaking one time and I heard him say, he was talking today at a small Christian school. He's talking to a group of middle schoolers and he said something about hearing the voice of God. And he said, you know, there are times in the past where God has spoken audibly, but he doesn't do that often. And one of the young guys in the, in the classroom stood up in the middle of class, kind of like, you know, they're all in their desks. And he stood up and he said, I hear the audible voice of God every day of my life. He he said if it was like a kid who was like a class clown, he would have been like, oh, whatever, sit down. But this was a very serious and genuine kid who loved the Lord. And he was like, okay, but what do you mean? What is he telling you? What do you mean? And he goes, every time I read my Bible out loud. Wow. When I first heard it, my thought was, oh, yeah. Then I I was like, no, like Mm. there's an issue with me if I don't attribute the word of God to the voice of God that I have constant 24 hour a day access to hear God's voice in ink paper and leather binding mm-hmm. like that's what that's what it means for me to believe in the inerrancy of scripture so an important component of this discussion I feel like is the question of discerning God's voice from our own yes and this is one of the questions that I wrestle with the most when it concerning this topic a lot of people wrestle with especially when faced with a big life decision like where you're gonna work or what your job's gonna be who you're gonna marry blah blah Uh blah like you get all this stuff in your head and you get sometimes external signs that you feel like are from Mm -hmm. God and then sometimes you get like internal convictions or inclinations toward a certain decision and the question always comes up in my head is this God's voice or is this my own and even worse sometimes Mm -hmm. just the worst of all is this God's voice leading me to this decision, or is this the devil tempting me in this direction? Yeah. Like, So that question, how do we discern God's voice from our own or even from the devil's voice? Yeah, that's right. It's so interesting to figure out how to, how to find that line because sometimes, like, and one thing I know I hear people talk a lot, like, oh, I didn't have peace or I did have peace about it. Like that they'll, they'll use peace as a prompting, which sometimes can be wisdom. But sometimes a lack of peace can be indigestion. And it can be you had too much Papa John's for lunch, you know? <laughs> and don't don't call that the Lord, you know? And so learning to distinguish, which obviously happens in a few primary ways. Like one is just know his word. You know, like if I know his word, the more I know his word, the more I know truth, the easier it will be to call out lies. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to um I used to try to prank call my mom all the time when she was at work. I'm like she worked at where she was like the receptionist of this company. And I'd call and I'd be like, you know, whatever, try whatever accent I could come up with in the moment. And every time she knew it was me. Now I found out later it's because she had uh, she had a caller ID. But at the time at the time I thought it was so cool. It's like, ah, my mom knows my voice so well I can't even prank call her. But I remember thinking, no, that's what that's what I want. Like, I wanna know the voice of my father. I wanna know not just like what he says, but how he says it. And like the things that tend to tend to come with an understanding of his will. I want to know him so well that, that even if you tried to prank call me, I'd be like, ah, Lord, I know it's you. <laughs> that actually, I was thinking about that today. I was reading in John the story of when Jesus resurrected and Mary was going to the tomb and she was trying to find him and yeah. the angels, she's crying and the angels are saying like, why are you crying? And she was like, where have you taken him? And I'll go get him. Mm-hmm. And she turns around and a man says, 
um, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And she was like, sir, just tell me where you've put him and I'll go get him. I and thought he, it was the gardener. He, yeah, she thought it was the gardener and it was Jesus. And he said, Mary. And once he said her name, she turned around and knew immediately. And I just, I've like thought about that a moment, how that would have been. And I never want to reach a moment where Jesus has come, you know, back to earth or trying to tell me something. And I don't recognize Yes. that voice because mm-hmm. I feel like there's such a power in his voice that a lot of time is just way underestimated mm-hmm. and I never want to read I always want to be so close that like I just know immediately like hey mm-hmm. that's definitely Jesus yes. you know that's right so. I think the one of the biggest dilemmas in hearing God's voice is because the good versus bad is pretty easy like you can normally pick out like when something's sinful and when something's righteous mm-hmm. now not always you know sometimes there will be things that are difficult but a lot of times the things that cause us the most trouble and walking with the Lord in intimacy are not the good versus the bad. They're the good versus the good mm-hmm. when there's two good things. Mm-hmm. You know, like That's questions true. about a job or a relationship or like how to handle a situation. So many times there's multiple things that I can imagine being being the Lord. And so how do I know when it's Him? And I think one of my favorite ways of learning to distinguish God's voice from my own thoughts has been from a, a scripture that I took out of context for most of my life. I actually talked about last night at a Bible study. It's Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that verse so much because all I had to do was delight and then I could get what I wanted. Mm-hmm. This was, man, what a great script. How, what a great deal God's going to make of me. And then right. One day I heard a friend talking about it and he said, he said, yeah, delight yourself in the Lord. Then God will give you the desires of God's heart. I was like, no, no, no. Hang on. I didn't want to say it, It says, thought you so, Lord, and God will give you the desires of your heart. He means me. And so, you know, to prove him wrong, I went home and got on Google, and I looked up the Hebrew language, and I looked up the word give in other places in Hebrew, um, in other places in the Old Testament. That word is the word exchange. So it's okay. not always give. It's sometimes used as exchange. I thought, okay, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll exchange the desires of your heart. And I, I know if he's going to exchange them, he's obviously going to exchange them for the desires of his own heart. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so the beautiful cyclical truth of that is when I delight myself in the Lord, then I know he's going to take the desires of my heart, remove them from me, do, do, give me the greatest gift that he could ever give to a human being, which is the gift of crucifixion. Mm-hmm. Crucify my wants and desires mm-hmm. and resurrect his desires in their place when I'm delighted in him. Mm-hmm. Not delighted in him as a means to the end of getting what I want. Because when you truly delight in him, you know you're delighting in him. Because whatever you wanted begins to pale in comparison to the thing that you now want most, which is yep. him. And in that moment, then I believe there begins to be a safety of like, okay, right now I can tell that I want God's will more than I want the will of Kurt. I want his kingdom more than my kingdom, his glory more than my glory, his power more than my power. And when I'm at that place, then I normally feel like there's a safety in saying, okay, Lord, now I can tell that I want I want what you want more than I want what I want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now let's pray about it from that perspective. And it's a freedom, too, I feel like. Yes. James 4 is another, it's like one of my favorite um, prayer scriptures. It says, you have not because you ask not. And you, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Now, when you, so you have not because you ask not. So sometimes you just don't have because you didn't pray. And like, now obviously the Lord will compensate for all of our weaknesses and lack of prayer and bad prayers and everything else. But 
there are times when he wants to give his children things and they just fail to ask. So sometimes it's just a matter of, of requesting something from the Lord, being persevering in prayer. But then he says, and sometimes even when you do ask, you don't get it because you ask with wrong motives to spend it on your passions. And the word wrong motives there in the original language means your prayers are sick. They're diseased. It means you're praying a diseased prayer. So like your prayers got cancer. It's kind of what he's saying, like wow. James is saying. What verse is that again? James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. And so he's saying, hey, like you're praying prayers with cancer right now. Now what is what is the cancer diagnosis? He says it's very clear, like you're praying for your own passions. So mm. what would be the cure for cancer's prayers? Would be obviously praying in line with his passions mm -hmm. instead of our passions, which I feel like is just Psalm 37 4 kind of reworded. Mm -hmm. sure. so. Yeah, definitely. Um, when we were originally trying to figure out a topic um, to discuss with you, you brought up something called the secular versus the sacred. You said you'd felt uh -huh. convicted about wanting to write more secular music instead <laughs> of um, worship music. And so uh -huh. I kind of wanted you to go into that a little bit because when I originally had heard what you said, I thought about, you know, being in a ministry job or being in a non-ministry job and how that, you know, differs. And then I thought, you know, well, God is going to, you know, use us in whatever area that we're in. And so it kind of goes along with the question, how does God's voice play a role in our everyday lives? Mm -hmm. So I kind of want you to go into yeah. that a little bit yeah. if you don't care. Well, it was cool because I, you know, my whole life I've written worship songs for years. And I, I love getting to do that. Love writing, love recording, playing with bands, all that stuff. It's really fun. But... As I was, I'd gotten married about four and a half years ago. And after I got married, I had this thought of like, I literally only write songs that are meant for corporate worship gatherings. That was it. That was pretty much all I wrote. And suddenly one day I got convicted like, man, I, I really love my wife. And I don't love my wife as some like secondary, like non-Christian thing. Like I love her because the Lord has taught me how to love. Mm -hmm. And his love has begun to take root in me in such a way that it affects everything else that I love. And hopefully, the clearest place that I'm going to see that represented will be in the relationship that I have with my wife. Mm -hmm. And so, as I thought about that, I thought, wow, I kind of had this thought, from, and it seemed like it was from the Lord. It's like, man, you, you really need to write her a love song. You know, and even when I talked to her one day, I said, I said, baby, I think I'm writing you a love song. And she just looked at me and goes, ah, you'll just turn it into a secular song. Or, or no, you'll just turn it into a Christian song. That's what she said. I was like, I was like, oh, dang it, you're right. <laughs> and it was a good moment for me because I was like, no, I want to write her a love song that's just to let her know, like, hey, God has woken up this, this affection in me for you. And it was birthed from his heart. Mm -hmm. Like it was his cross and his resurrection that taught me how to love rightly. Because without the cross and resurrection, I would only love her for what I could get from her. Mm -hmm. You know, like they're, they're really just outside of an understanding of sacrificial love as expressed through the cross. There's not, there's not really any such thing as loving somebody selflessly. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, man, I, I want to make sure to do that. So I did. And I really, there's a song called I Swear I'll Stay, but I, I put on Spotify and all that. It's like, <laughs> I can't wait to listen to it. <laughs> oh, on the way home, yeah. yeah, on the way home. 
And so it is. It's a love song. And she was right at the end. I, I talked about the, the gospel. But, but, but I, think, I think it was all right. Well, it's so hard because, you know, if you're in the will of God and you're doing what he has asked you to do, it just bleeds into everything around you. There's not a this or this, a secular or sacred. There's, it's just it's if you're, to everything that you do. Yeah. If you're, I mean, living a sacred life and trying to live a righteous life, it's just going to yeah. bleed into like wherever you are and whoever yes. you're with. That's right. And I think it is. There's this compartmentalization that happens especially in Christian subculture. I mean, right now we're, we're recording this podcast in the South, technically, of the United States, which just has a... There's some things that we get to fight through as believers in this context that are just difficult, mm-hmm. where there's the separation of, like, all the people that do ministry and do church and the people that are pastors and get their paycheck from, a, you know, from doing ministry. I tell people all the time it's weird because, like, I, like I, I get to pray for a living. You know, like that's part of my job. And for me, there's this importance of the Lord teaching me how to make sure that there are times that I'm studying the Word and it has nothing to do with what I'm going to teach on a stage. There need to be times that I get to, I get down on my knees to pray and it's not because I'm leading a prayer time. And it's not even a prayer for an event coming up. I'm just praying because I love Him. You know, and I want intimacy with Him. And what I found is, the Lord's really gifted or blessed me in a beautiful way of letting me do life with people that don't have, you know, quote unquote Christian jobs. But I see them, I see them walk that out as ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife is actually an amazing example. Like even when she, when she was in her job interview, her bot, which is at a, at a, you know, technically a secular environment, she works at a golf course. But her boss has said, "Hey, we want you to find ways to turn this into ministry." Wow. We want you to minister to <clears throat> minister to the, the members here at the club. I want you to and she did. She's like, turn the pool into a baptismal a few times, you know. It's <laughs> nice. a Bible study and, and it's cool because like her you know, as far as the United States government's concerned on her tax forms, it might look like she works for a golf club. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think heaven has any kind of I don't think they place any superiority on my you know, on my job being at Commonwealth City Church than they would with my wife. And I think there's something about, I, even lately the Lord's been teaching me this, um, my favorite, favorite coffee shop in the city of Lexington. Um, there's a few, multiple locations. It's called Speedway. Um, they sell. <laughs> wait, that literally took station? me a second. I was like, wait, yeah. I've never been there. <laughs> we yeah, sell, and I was like, is it the gas sell, station? <laughs> they sell gas. They've got, you know. They've like, got good French vanilla cappuccino rolls. Oh, oh it's my gosh. That cinnamon roll. Mm-hmm. They have more creamer options than any other coffee shop. <laughs> and it's and like, they're like a dollar. The you're like $1.99. It's amazing. Barely. And every single cup is free. It's fantastic. And uh, <laughs> so I love, I love Speedway. And I realize, you know what? Like, as a, as a Christian, as a, a Christian minister, there's a lot of days that I can go throughout my whole day and only interact with other people that love God. And I realized, you know what? I need to make sure that there's accountability in my life to regularly go to places where I'm going to interact with people that might not know Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, whether that's, you know, for me, it's the gym or my going to the same Kroger consistently or going to the same Speedway so that I'm interacting with these people. And I, one day it hit me. It was like, you know what? Like, I, I'm trying to pastor Speedway. I ain't trying to make them a project or nothing weird like that. I'm just, I mean, I go in because the coffee's amazing. But when I'm there, like, I want to be representative of the kingdom of God. And I heard a pastor say one time, one of my favorite quotes, he said, whenever you walk into a room, the odds change. 
Ooh. That good? Uh, oh, that's good. <laughs> that is good. You walk in a room, the odds change. And I thought, you know what? Like, it, think about the life of Jesus. And it is weird. Just if you look at the math. All right. 33 years on earth. Three years of ministry. 30 years not doing official ministry. So God leaves heaven, steps off of a throne, comes down to let the entirety of the glory of God manifest itself tangibly on earth. And then for 91% of his life, he sits at home with a day job. Wow. You know, like... That's something a lot of people, I mean, I don't think about either. Yeah. But the crazy thing is, the cross only mattered because on Jesus' 25th birthday, he was being exactly the same amount of obedient to his father Mm -hmm. that he was at 32 in the middle of healing somebody. Mm -hmm. Yes. When he's 17 and he's like hanging at home with his brothers and sisters and he's being perfect and they're not and he's finding a way to not sin in his frustration with their imperfections, he's being the exact same amount of obedient that he was when he was raising the dead. Mm -hmm. And it's because of his consistent non-stop obedience to the father that he was able to be the perfect spotless lamb but what that meant for him was 91% of a life lived without it looking officially like ministry mm-hmm. and so I think the exaltation that is easy for me to just to buy into in my little Christian subculture of like oh the Christians and the missionaries and the people who do nonprofit work they're like the, the elite Christians it's like no that's not the, I don't think it's what scripture teaches. I don't think it's what logic says. And it's certainly not what the life of Jesus would lead us to assume. And so, and the cool thing is my goal is not to be a good Christian, not to be a good guy, not even to be a good pastor, husband, and dad, even though I want to be all those things. My goal is to figure out what it means for me in 2021 as a 37-year-old man to become as much like an identical twin to Jesus as I can. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's like... There's no other question to ask. There's nothing more important I'm going to do with my life. It's how much did I imitate him? How much did I get conformed to the image of the Son of God? And what I see in the life of Jesus is that there was no such thing as a separation from the secular and the sacred. Because what happens is when the Spirit of God begins to be given freedom to work in your life, everything becomes sacred. Mm-hmm. And every time I walk into Speedway now, the odds change. I know. That's so good. Yeah, it is. Oh and Katyn uses a phrase sometimes. She was on a podcast a couple weeks ago that yeah. life is ministry and ministry is life. And I think that Ooh, when you, you, like you were saying, like I'm going to try to be as close to an identical twin as Jesus as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. That comes with work from our end. It's a two-way street. Like yeah. we talk to our small group girls. We lead a senior small group. And yeah. we say, you know, if you feel distant from God, guess who moved? Like, it's mm. not, it's not you. Oh, I mean, it's really not good. God. God has not moved. It's you. And so yes. our job, like, if we want to, if we want to get the desires of our heart, if we want to, you know, do our mission here on this earth, we have to be, you have to hear from him, number one, so that you know the direction you want to go. But in order to hear from him, you have to be as glued to, as close to him as you possibly can. Yes. I think that life has to be ministry and ministry has to be life. I think that's so important. Yeah. And that's when... I feel like, you know, as you talked about, we were growing up in technically the South, I guess, Mm -hmm. in the Bible Belt, and obviously I grew up in church. My dad was a youth pastor, blah, 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 all that stuff. But um, I feel like when the gospel really came alive for me, and we've also talked about this a lot in this podcast, is when it 
became more than just the four walls of a church. Like that's yeah. when the gospel came alive is when my mm-hmm. life became a ministry. And when I went yes. into Speedway or wherever I went to uh-huh. and realized, oh, wait, I don't have to be in church to like hear the voice of God. Like it can be in my everyday life. And once you start to see that in a yeah. very typical in a restaurant or in a store or something, that's when you're like, oh, wait, it truly comes alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a that's when my faith really took the next mm-hmm. step. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, do you have any final thoughts or any last words of advice that you'd like Ooh. to share with our listeners? So I'd say to everybody listening, if you need an official moment of being commissioned to no longer feel like you're removed from ministry because of whatever you do for a living, I'd say like, man, right now, like, let this be the moment of commissioning. You know, from nine to five, my job is officially a pastor at Commonwealth City Church, but 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day, I'm a shepherd. I'm a member of the kingdom of God. There are things that have been declared over me as a son and a child of God that far outweigh any kind of you know, commendation I could feel from being on staff at a church. And so I'd say for people listening, whatever it is you do, if you're a teacher, a student, if you're homeless and broke, I've actually been there before. You know, like wherever you're at, whatever you do, let this be the moment where you are commissioned to be a minister of the kingdom of God. Because what he says is we are a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of priests. And so heaven does not see you, does not see you as a secular employee. It sees you as a minister of the kingdom of God. I love that. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, I would say if you think that you are not good enough or you're in a place in your life where you don't think that God can speak to you, then that's exactly where the devil wants you. Mm-hmm. And so whenever you're feeling in your life, oh, God can't speak to me because I've done this, or God can't speak to me because I'm doing this, that's, I feel like that's when the devil gets you exactly where he wants you. Yeah. So if you're thinking those thoughts, which I have several times, take that thought captive, as we love mm-hmm. to say, yeah. And, yeah. and realize that um, God is always speaking to us, um, and we just have to know him. Like it takes, I love the quote, God is present when we are. Mm -hmm. So obviously God is always present. Yeah. But he's, we only see it when we're present as well. Mm -hmm. So the only way we're going to know the voice of God is if we we talk to him. It's a relationship. And it's really, honestly, as simple as that, I think. Yeah. Hearing the voice of God. And it's beautiful in its simplicity. Yeah. I love that verse in James that you said. I definitely need to save that. But I just love the going to Jesus with a Jesus mindset, not Mm -hmm. going to Jesus with, okay, what, what can I get? What do I need to say about myself? Mm-hmm. You know, like sitting, Katyn talks a lot about solitude and like mm-hmm. sitting in her room with, you know, candles lit and just sitting and listening. I feel like a lot of times we're either approaching God, like reading our Bible or praying, which is good, but mm-hmm. a lot of times we just need to sit in the presence of God and just yeah. wait for him to kind of, you know, talk to us and That's give right. us things to say. I think that we miss that a lot. I have one more thing to say. You made me say think a girl. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love C.S. Lewis, you know. And he has Who a doesn't? I know. He has a book called A Grief Observed and it's about the death of his wife. But and it has a quote and I'm gonna butcher it, so just I'm sorry. But he says something about like maybe I can't hear the voice of God because I'm like a drowning man and and I can't I'm waving my arms and screaming so much that God is trying to speak to me and I can't hear it because I'm like trying to keep myself above water. And I feel like what you said, rest, is so important in this conversation about discerning God's voice because a lot of times we just need to shut up and just rest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then because we can't hear his voice because we're talking so loud. We're, we're busy. Like, yes. We're going so from we one thing to another. Rest is such an important um, topic, I feel like, in this conversation. So just... Yeah. Everyone chill out. Yeah. Rest. Everyone be chill. Psalm 4610, I actually... I've, 
uh, when I sing Psalm 46, 10 to the Lord, I add, I add something a little extra biblical at the end. It's be still and know that he's God. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I sing that, I, um, I feel like the Lord always kind of postures it back to me and says, be still and know me, I dare you. Ooh, you know, I just got love chills. That. I love that. And there's the cool thing too, like, because, oh man, there's so many different camps here of people, the way that they're going to, you know, and like, I know some people are probably going to even hear like, man, why would the Lord want to hear my prayers? You know, I don't deserve for him to hear them. And the one thing he's always comforted me with is if, if he tells me to pray without ceasing, then I can know that that's because he's going to insist on listening without ceasing. Mm-hmm. And so just knowing that he's he loves it when we speak to him. He loves it when we sit back and listen to him. Mm-hmm. He just loves. He loves to be to be as close to us as we possibly can. And so mm-hmm. any efforts or steps we take towards that, we know we're going to find a delighted father. Love it. That's so good. Thank you so much, Kurt, for being on today. We've had so much fun. We've learned so much. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We will be back next week with a new episode and a new guest. But until then, you're awesome. Thank you for listening to Sundays at 7. Bye, guys.